0: morning I'm going to be talking about a song that most of you in the congregation will know which is the heart of worship by uh, Matt Redmond so I'm going to split it into three sections uh, this talk so firstly I'm going to talk about why I actually chose the song Um, then we're going to go into (coughs) the lyrics themselves and meaning behind them uh, and then also we'll be taking a look into 1 Chronicles I know Old Testament we don't do a lot of that around here but there we go Um, and actually going into the verses then the pre-chorus then the chorus uh, and what the the words actually mean and then finally we're gonna be ending by looking at our worship team so I'll start with as I say why I chose this song Um, so I'll briefly go into the story of why uh, the song was written a lot of you will know as you're (coughs) a lot of people in here from Watford and it was written at Soul Survivor Watford it's a reasonably well-known story in Christian circles Um, so Matt Redman uh, at the time of writing, back in the '90s, he and the leadership team at Soul Survivor felt that they'd lost something of the heart of worship uh, in their actual physical worship as a church. Um, anyone who's been to sort of a big summer festival, something like New Day, also the Soul Survivor festivals as well, will know that there's a you know there's a big sort of pomp and circumstance around the worship. It's a wonderful production, and that is you know it's certainly not a bad thing in itself, um, but what Matt Redman and the team at Soul Survivor had felt was that uh, something of the heart of the Holy Spirit in worship had been lost. Um, and so they took time away from doing that. They stopped the big production. They stopped doing uh, sort of loud sung worship uh, during the services at Soul Survivor um, for a period of months. And it was in that time that Matt Redman wrote this song. And so why that was quite poignant for me and why I then ended up choosing this song to talk about this morning is from my own personal experience. So I became a Christian when I was 16 and uh, I started leading worship when uh, I was 17. And so I led worship for maybe uh, nine months or so before going off to university. And it was a huge blessing. I also had the opportunity to go out to Uganda before I went to university and I led worship out there. And if you wanna see the heart of worship, let me tell you, that is that is the place to go. No, it was it was a building which you know didn't even have any windows or sort of functioning doors, certainly no electricity in there, but my word, they made quite the noise. Um, and that was real, real worship with the heart of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But then when I went to university, I found, as a lot of young people do, um, I gave in to a lot of the vices and the temptations of being away from home, not having rules, not having parents to sort of govern what I was doing and uh, govern my 10.30 bedtime. (laughs) I still have a 10.30 bedtime. Um, And, you know, so, so in that time, I then felt I wasn't worthy to lead a congregation in worship. I was still part of the Christian Union and I'd sort of almost guest appear whenever it was my time on the road to lead worship I'd then go along I'd get my guitar and to be honest what worship became for me was I was the big man at the front with the guitar looking pretty cool a lot of, lot of Christian ladies around and that's what worship became for me but then I had a realization if I if that's the attitude I've got towards worship what right do I have to try and lead other people to get to that place because the job of a team leading worship is to facilitate the congregation and the family of God into that place of worship and I knew that I couldn't do that at that stage so I took a couple of years um where I didn't lead worship at all I didn't really play guitar at all I didn't really do anything musical for a few years um and to be honest it it affected me quite deeply because it was something that God blessed me to do he told me to do to start leading worship um But I knew that at that time I couldn't do that. And it wasn't until I then moved to Watford three or four years later that I then came to a place where I truly knew that I believed what I was doing. I was worshipping with the Holy Spirit and therefore I could then start doing it again. And that, in uh, in a nutshell, is why I wanted to speak about this song because it was very poignant for me at the time that um, this was a song that really led me back to that place of truly worshipping, wanting to explore the heart of God uh, and actually worshipping truly with the Holy Spirit. So now I'll move on to start talking about the the lyrics of the song itself. So I'm gonna read out the verses, both verse one and two. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And then verse two, king of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours every single breath. So we're gonna go, take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the phrases and some of the sentences in in there. And to do that, we're going to use 1 Chronicles. Uh, So we're going to go into 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8 to 11 for this part. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. So, so the verses of the song, The Heart of Worship, really focus on wanting to please God. Talking to God on the best way I could describe it was sort of a human level and sort of uh, giving a small appreciation for what God has done. So sentences like, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And king of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. So that naturally led me to a couple of questions, which were, how will we bless God heart, God's heart uh, and how do we express how much he deserves and I think there are a few guidelines in uh, in 1 Chronicles to, to this so just to give you a brief bit of context to, to the passage that we've just read and the passage that is later to come as well this is during the reign of King David um, and he appoints some of the Levites to minister to the Lord before the ark of the covenant so they take instruments Uh, and the sentences we've just read are exactly what David says to them to instruct them how to give praise and worship. So firstly, I wanted to look at proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And so to put that into layman's terms, need to tell people that in itself is worship. Tell people, people who don't know, and then people who do know who maybe need to know a little bit more, that in itself is worship. Number two, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts rather than now saying it to somebody else, say it directly to the Lord. Show that we recognise and appreciate what he's done for us. And seek his face always. Now this one was a bit of a strange one because I think physically that's probably the easiest out of all of those. You don't actually have to open your mouth necessarily to do it. You don't have to talk to anybody or sort of have any awkward feeling. You can do it in your own time. But actually, whilst it might be the easiest action, it's often the hardest to do if we don't prioritise it. And now I want to focus on the pre-choruses of the song. So I'll read out the the pre-choruses, they're both the same. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. Now one particular line in there stood out something I wanted to get into a bit more which was a song in itself is not what you have required and again that strikes a a poignant question of so what does God require from us in worship if we strip back all of the music and all of the nice sounds the production the laser show and some of the answers again can be found in 1 Chronicles 16 this time looking at verses 25 to 30. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established it cannot be moved so again uh, we're gonna look at three three different elements of that so firstly ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name again just tell him it doesn't have to sound good it doesn't have to look pretty as long as you are recognizing what God has done and telling him and then secondly bring an offering and come before him an offering can be many things it can be money it can be time In the Old Testament, it was a whole raft of different things. But as long as it's sacrificial in some way to us, that is something of value to the Lord, no matter how small that might be. And finally, tremble before him all the earth. Now, this can be literal. Feel free to crack on with trembling during the time of worship. That's fine. Um, But ultimately, it means be reverent and be humble before God. And now finally, going to move on to the chorus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Now, to be honest, of course, is fairly self-explanatory, it covers the themes of the song, it covers sort of the reason I chose this song in the I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, that was definitely a conversation I had with God. But what I really did notice about it was that it's this, and through the whole song, we're talking directly to god through this song we're literally he could be standing right in front of us and that's and and it would work as a sort of conversation um and this isn't the case with uh with all with all worship songs um spoiler but um when the song that erica is going to be covering the verses actually talk about god to the congregation and then goes the choruses and the bridge, then actually going to then speaking directly to God and thanking God for what he's done. And this then led me to thinking, as we as we come on to the last part, about our worship team here and how we actually prepare for a Monday, uh, a Monday, a Sunday of worship. Obviously, Mondays are good for worship as well. Uh, and that's that's something that we really do take into account when we're preparing songs for a Sunday morning, is we try to make sure that the songs do have a combination of that, that we are talking to the Lord, directly thanking him for something, that we're talking about the Lord, and that also we're talking to the church family as a whole. Um, so yeah, we, try, we always try and make sure that all of that is included. Um, but what that then sort of brought me on to thinking about was what our time of preparation for a Sunday morning has become. I think this has been, and I'm sure a lot of the guys in the worship team will sort of feel the same way, over the last maybe year, year and a half, there's been a real appetite for worshipping during practice. It's not just a situation of, let's get in there, let's get everything done nice and efficiently, and out we go, we want to get to bed. It's on a Thursday evening, we go to the Smith's house, and that's where we practice. And actually, there's nobody there other than us, the Smiths are... You know, doing whatever they're doing in their house, and um, but there there is no element of performance to what we do on a Thursday. Uh, yet, it has become such a time of intimate worship as a group that that is the heart of worship in there. There is no one else. There isn't a light show. There isn't anything else. There's only the six of us in five six of us in the room. Um, I was trying to think of the word for this sort of last section. I didn't know whether it maybe was reassurance or maybe insight into how we prepare for things on a Sunday morning. Um, but do feel reassured that before we come before you guys on a Sunday morning, that is how we prepare. The first step is prayer and worship together. Um, and that makes it such a privilege and a blessing to be able to stand here and firstly talk, but also lead a team in worship. Um so that's sort of where I'm going to close, but I'm going to close with a request really for for us as a worship team. We want to continue to grow as a worship team. We want to make sure we're in that place where we're focusing on the heart of worship before we bring it to the congregation to try and facilitate for everybody else. So do pray that we never think of worship as a performance, because that's quite difficult to do when you stood up here with a microphone and these funky lights that we've now got going behind us and these ones right in your face up there. Um, so, yeah, do pray that we never think of it like that. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's where I'm going to end, actually. So, yeah, I'm just going to end in prayer. Lord, thank you for the week that you've given me, being able to really dive into why we worship and dive into this song um, and for the reminders that you've given me over this week. And, Lord, I pray that, that could, some of that could have could have come across uh, this morning and that, that we can learn something from this morning. Um, And yeah, Lord, we pray as this this series sort of goes on for the next four weeks for all the other guys who are going to come up and, and be talking as well. Lord, we pray that they feel empowered and are blessed by the preparation period just as we are as a worship team. In Jesus' name, amen.